Church, how's everybody doing? You guys good today? So it's good to see you. It's good to hear you. It's good to be be with you today. And and I hope that you're having a great day. Um, if you're new with us, my name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here. And really glad that that you've chosen to worship with us. And I know uh, there's a lot of things you could do. And, and coming to church for the first time, I know that can 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 bring some anxiety and some some uh, just a little bit of stress. So the fact that you've chosen to come or to watch. I just want to thank you for that and uh, encourage you to get connected, to, to make sure you connect with us uh, either through that QR code or stop by that new here tent as there's some people there that would love to help you get connected. All right, now I'm going to dive right into the message, go right back into this series that, that we kind of started about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And it's interesting Probably more than any other series, I've had this comment made to me over the last two weeks. This is what I hear from people in the lobby. How much longer will this series last? And I know where it comes from. Like, like there's probably several of us that are tired of hearing, be careful what you say. That, that we're being tired of hearing, tame your tongue and listen better and be slow to get angry. That, that There's probably many of us that are like, man, I need a break. All right, well, today I'm going to give you a little bit of a break. We're going we're gonna to deal with a topic of this how-to series. We're going to pull it from the book of James. And, and the first part of it, I think, is going to be something that that all of us would agree, or at least many of us would agree, yeah, I need to do some work in that area. I need to get a little better in that area. And I think it'll be very practical. At the very end, it's going to get personal, okay? Uh, but, but we're going to start by being just practical because we want to learn how to say no. Would anybody admit that you struggle with saying no? Anybody here maybe struggle with that? I know it can be something that, that, that can be difficult for us. So I want to start by just helping you say no. Like I'm going to make it real easy because if we're going to learn how to say no, then I want us to practically be able to say no. So this is going to be one of those things that all participation, I'm going to ask a question and you just say the answer that comes to your mind and I'm pretty sure it's going to be no. Here's the first one and say this out loud with me if you agree. Who here, or let, let me rephrase that, do you enjoy traffic on 501. See, it's that easy to say no. All right, let, let me give you some more. Do you enjoy going to the DMV? No. Do you enjoy getting a root canal? No. Do you enjoy paying taxes? No. See, see saying no is easy. Do you like cats? No. Do you like the New England Patriots? No. For those of you who are tired of me making fun of the Patriots and cats, do you like it when Josh makes fun of the Patriots and cats? I finally gave you a chance to say no. But others of you are like, oh, yes, no, I like it when you do that. That, like, 
reality is some of us really struggle to say no. And here's why. I think it's because we don't know how to say yes. Like, I think we get our yeses wrong, which, which if we just learned how to say yes in the right way, that would take care of the no's. Uh, let me explain it by, by going to the book of James. It's James chapter 5. Um, this is what it says in James 5. It says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. That, that by that, he doesn't mean like don't cuss. That's not what he's talking about here. He's saying like don't swear. Don't say, I swear to God or I swear to this or, you know, I don't think you've probably ever said this, but you've heard it said like I swear on somebody's grave, right? He's saying don't say you swear. Just all you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. That, that the author here, that he's basically going back to some of the things that he's already said in his book, that, that he's given us several uh, scriptures about the tongue and about taming the tongue and be careful what you say. And now he just simply says, let your yes be yes or your no be no. He's actually quoting from his brother. That the guy who wrote this book that's part of the Bible is a guy named James. His half-brother was Jesus. And, and so he's really just quoting from his brother, Jesus, who in what we would call maybe Jesus' most famous sermon, that Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything other than that is from the evil one. That, that both Jesus and James, they're saying, be a man of your word. Be a woman of your word. That if you say something, just do it. And I think we struggle with this because we say yes so many times that we then have to say, well, no, I promise I'll do it this time. Or I promise I'll be there. Because we've said, yes, I'll be there, but we didn't show up. And now we've got to add to our yes. Because we're saying yes to the wrong things. Why is it that we say yes so much? Now, I'll give you four thoughts. I, I think, one, that, that we say yes because we're afraid to say no. You've been there? You, you know what I'm getting at here? Is that, that maybe you're a parent, probably guilty of this. I know I have it my, at times in my life. That if I say no to the child right now, the child's going to throw a fit and the fit's not worth it. So I'm just going to say yes. Because I'm afraid to say no. Or, or somebody, maybe a friend that said, hey, will you go do this? And I'm afraid to say no. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or my boss asked this or somebody else asked that and it's like, I don't want to upset them. So I'll, I'll, I'll say yes. Or we'll, we'll say yes because we're afraid of missing out. That we have this fear of missing out. And I, I think this is true of everyone. But especially those of you who are this gen. Like you're in here and maybe you're a teenager or a young adult. And there's just some times that you're like, man, I'm tired. I just want to go home. I don't want to do anything tonight. But then you look at your phone and you see all your friends hanging out at a certain place. And you know you were invited, but you weren't going to go. But now you're like, man, well, what if something goes down tonight? What if they have a great time? What if they make a decision and they go to someplace else and, and, and I don't get that invite? Or if I say no now, I'll never have that opportunity again. So we say yes because we're afraid of missing out. Or, or maybe we say yes. Because we think that's the most godly answer. 
Like, like he, here's where this one happens. That you say, well, I've got an open door in front of me, and, and that must be from God. Make sure you hear this. Not every open door is from God. There's a lot of doors you can walk through in this life that God doesn't want you to walk through and hasn't provided for you. But we'll say at times, well, it's an open door. It must be from God. We'll even do it at church. We'll be like, well, the church needs this, or, or they're saying that, that I should do that, uh, and we've got to serve, or maybe somebody will come up to you and say, hey, will you serve and do this with me? No, the answer is no, because I've already said yes to something else, that, that, that yes isn't always the godly answer. Or, or here's the last one, that we'll say yes because we forget how short life actually is. We, that, that we don't recognize how short life is. And we need to recognize the, the brevity of life, the shortness of life. And what we'll end up doing is, is we, we'll just throw so much stuff into our calendar that we'll be like, well, I'm going to do this now because I can do that later. That, that I'm going to add all this because we'll eventually get around to that, whatever that is. But James talks about this. It's James chapter 4. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, and carry on business and make money. Why? You don't, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That I think sometimes that we get into this idea that, that, well, I can just put off some things till tomorrow. I can fill my schedule today because I'll say yes to that thing tomorrow. And, and that's okay in some fashions. But what if what you need to do today is what is the bigger yes? See, Jesus was a master at this. Jesus knew what to say yes to and what to say no to. That, that there was a time that all the people wanted to hang out with Jesus, and he said, nope, can't hang out with you because I need to go on a mountain and spend time with God, with my Father. There was times that people were like, will you stay in our city? He said, nope, I need to go to that city now. There was a time a, a guy had been healed from demon possession. He said, Jesus, can, can I get in your boat and can I go with you? And Jesus said, nope, you need to go back to your city and minister to the people around you and tell them all that God has done in your life. See, Jesus shows us what I call the principle or the law of the bigger yes. That he shows us the bigger yes, or the better yes, or the best yes. Because if you figure out what the best yes is, then it's going to help you say no to a bunch of other things. And reality is, you're going to have to say no to a lot of things. Do you realize that today, you will make 35,000 decisions? I know that sounds a little daunting right there, but the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day, and many of them are real small. Like this morning, some of you made one decision on when to get out of bed. 
like the alarm went off or whatever, and you're like, I got up and I left. Others of you hit the snooze three different times, which means you made four decisions before you even got out of bed. Anybody hit the snooze? Can I ask a question? Why is it nine minutes? I like, I still don't know that. If somebody could explain that to me at some point in my life, I would appreciate it. Why not 10? It's the dumbest thing ever, all right? But, but reality is some of you made decisions this morning. You're going to make decisions on what to wear. Now, some of you ladies will make that decision five times before you leave the house. Some of you are like, different point, Josh, move on. But you get what I'm saying now. So how do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? How do you decide what is the bigger yes? What is the better yes? What is the best yes? And, and here's what I would say is there's two of them. Like you're going to have to say yes and no to a bunch of things, but I can evaluate my yeses and my nos off of two big rocks that I've put in my box. That if I put these two big rocks in my box, then what they will actually do is say no a thousand times over for me. And, and here's what I would say with that is the first rock that you should put in your box, the first yes that you should say is yes to the Savior. Just simply say yes to Jesus. And say yes to the one who has said yes to you. Because if I say yes to Jesus, that means I'm saying no to a thousand other things. But what does it mean to say yes to Jesus? Because, see, I think sometimes we get it wrong. We think, oh, sure, I raised my hand one day at church and I said yes to Jesus. I mean, I, I said a prayer one day, so that's saying yes to Jesus, right? No. It actually goes a lot deeper than that. If you want to say yes to Jesus, what it means is, one, I'm going to surrender my life to him. That, that, that I'm not just raising my hand and, and, and saying a, a simple yes. I'm saying I surrender. I believe. I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. A perfect example of this is his brother, James. Like, go back to the guy who wrote the book of James. Remember, he was the half-brother of Jesus. That, that Jesus was the son of God, born of a virgin named Mary. But Mary married a man named Joseph. And Mary and Joseph had other kids. One of them was named James. So James was the little brother of Jesus. And I, I can imagine what it was like to be the little brother of Jesus. That, that Clay alluded to this last week, that, that Jesus never did anything wrong. Jesus always did what was right. So can you imagine being the little brother who all the time was screwing up, but Jesus was perfect? That, that, that every time he went through life, he's like, yeah, Jesus did it right. Well, there came a point where James finally went, aha, I've caught him. That, that Jesus started going around throughout the land saying, I'm actually the son of God. I'm the Messiah. 
I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm going to actually be uh, arrested, be crucified, be put in a grave, and then rise from the dead. And finally, in that moment, when he started talking like that, James is like, he's finally messed up. And he says to everybody who can hear him, my brother is crazy. Like he's lost his mind. But then Jesus gets arrested. Then Jesus dies. Then Jesus is buried. Then Jesus rises from the grave. And James sees him and says, nope, he's not crazy. He's the Christ. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah and I was wrong. And that's the reason James begins his book. If you go to the chapter 1, the first verse, it says, I, James, a slave of Jesus, a servant of Jesus. So what James is showing us is I looked at Jesus and I recognized he was my Savior. And I didn't just say yes to Jesus. I surrendered and said, he's my Lord. That's where it starts. But then it goes further than that. When you say yes to Jesus, you're also saying yes to being set apart and to being sent. And what I mean by set apart, it's a word we use in church called sanctified. Uh, To be sanctified, it's a big word, I don't use it a lot. but, But what to be sanctified means is to be set apart, to be made holy, to to do what is right. And that only happens when Jesus comes into our life and he starts to do work in our life. And, and that happens when we start to understand more and more of who he is and to love him more. I, I love the way the book of Philippians says it. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. That, that when I say yes to Jesus, he starts to do work in my life and sets me apart and I grow in my knowledge and understanding. And look what happens next. It says this. For I want you to understand what really matters, which is right where we take our vision as a church from. When we say we want to help you find what matters, this is where it comes from. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. That when we respond to Jesus, what we're actually doing is asking Jesus to set us apart, to do work in our life. So we surrender, we're set apart, and then we're sent. That that Jesus uses us to fulfill his mission. Which again, we go back to the book of James, it says it this way. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That, that God has called us, he's sending us to go and help people who don't know Christ and to bring them back so that they can be saved as well. So what I'm trying to get at is when I say yes to Jesus, then it is saying, helping me say no to so many other things. Because my yes is, I've surrendered. My yes is that I'm being set apart, that you're doing work in my life. My yes is is that I'm being sent. That's the first rock that I would say needs to go in the box. But then there's a second rock. And this rock is those that are significant. 
that if you want to think, what do I actually need to say yes to? Well, the bigger yes is my Savior and those that are significant. I didn't say that which is significant. I could say it that way. But the problem is, is you could say, well, anything is actually significant. I actually want to say those that are significant. Because when we boil it down, there are some people in your life that have a high significance. Right? Now, everybody matters. We all matter. We all matter to God. But there should be some people in your life that are very significant. Anybody who is married, your spouse is significant. You made a decision, and therefore that person is significant. For instance, there are four billion ladies in the world, but there is one who is most significant to me, and that is my wife, that she comes above everybody else because I've said that she matters most, that, that I'm a parent. So now my kids matter, that my grandkids matter, that you might be single. Well, who are the people in your circle? Who are the people you're closest to? That all people matter, but there's some that matter more to you. And, and I would even say it this way, that those that are significant is even yourself. And I know that might sound a little weird at first, but... But you matter to God, which means you should matter to yourself. And you've got to think, I should live in a way today that, that shows my significance and is also towards my future self. So, so here's what I'm trying to get at is, if I put the things that really matter into my box, what I'm saying is, is my Savior and those that are significant, that well, that's my bigger yes. That's my better yes. That's my best yes. And the beauty is, those yeses, the, a yes to my Savior and a yes to those who are significant, that is a thousand no's to everything else. You want to know how to say no? Well, learn how to say yes to what is best. I, what is best will help me to say no to stuff, right? Like if I really know what is best, it's going to help me to just simply say no to stuff. And when I say stuff, I don't even mean bad stuff. I actually mean good stuff. And we'll get to some bad stuff in a section, in a sec, int. but, but let me, that sounded like sex. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and stop right now because that's what y'all are thinking. And when it's with your significant one you're married to, it's the best yes. But in any other time, it's an immediate no. What I'm trying to say is my best yes is a thousand no's to other things. It's no to stuff that just doesn't matter as much. It might matter, but it doesn't matter as much. See, you can fill your schedule with a thousand things, a thousand good things. 
That, that your, your kids can be involved in, in, in sports, in travel sports, in karate, in cheerleading, in gymnastics, in, in scouts. They, they can be involved in all those things. And all those things are great things. They're good things. But if I put so much on the calendar, it's going to keep me from the better thing. And my kids played travel ball, and we loved it, and we used it, and it was beneficial, but we had to evaluate other things in light of it. Rather than adding on to the schedule, we said, what matters most, and then make our decisions off of that, because we said yes to what is significant. That there's some good stuff. Like I said, there's some things that you could be doing as a follower of Christ, but you go, I need to say no to that because there's a bigger yes. That I need to say no to something, maybe at my job, because there's a bigger yes. Let me make it practical for you that, that if you didn't know, and many of you do know, I used to travel full-time uh, preaching to teenagers and young adults. That's, that's what I did for years. And, and my last year that I traveled full-time, I was on the road over 250 days that year. And it was a blast. Like, I loved it. I got to see all of America and many places around the world and, and was doing good things for the Lord. But, but at the end of that year, we adopted our two youngest, Tate and Abby. And, and Chris and I sat down and we said, man, something's got to change. Because I cannot be gone that long because even though that's good and it matters, it doesn't matter as much as those who are significant to me. And so we made a decision, and I started working for a local church again and, and still had freedom to travel, so I still traveled, just not as much. And then Clay got, uh, my oldest, got, got to the age where he was starting to play middle school ball. And we are like, I don't want to miss games. I don't want to miss time. I don't want to miss this time in life I have with him because I know life is short. So we said, I'm done traveling. Like, I'm not going to travel anymore. And then, as we were talking, Chris and I, as we were talking, she's like, no, how about this? How about, how about you say no to every request that is, like, in the Midwest? But if anybody requests you to go to a beach location, as long as you can take your wife or your family, say yes. And we laughed, but literally, that's what we did. And so for the next several years, the only thing I said yes to was on a beach location that Krista could go. Because that mattered, but it didn't matter as much as those who are significant. And you might say, but Josh, you were traveling and you were preaching the gospel and you were having an opportunity to, to do things for the Savior because you are sent. Yes, I am sent, and yes, I was doing work for the Savior, but those who are significant, I could preach the gospel to them just as well as I could preach the gospel to somebody around the world. You see what I'm getting at? We have to think about that. So you might get a job offer, but you're going to have to evaluate that job offer. What does this do to those who are most significant in my life? And how does this reflect on my Savior? And you might say no to the promotion, even though it's more money. You might say, I'm going to say no to that because we can live on the budget that we've got now. Or maybe a different job comes along and you're like, this would be better for those who are significant to me. That'll be better. I can do work for my Savior. Then you might say yes to it because you've already said yes. 
So when you say yes to these things, when those are the big rocks in your box, then you can say no to stuff. You can also say no to self-satisfaction. See, self-satisfaction is almost always accomplished through instant gratification. And instant gratification almost always leads to immediate guilt. I want you to hear that again. Self-satisfaction almost always is achieved through instant gratification. And instant gratification almost always leads to immediate guilt. So I don't want you to base your yes and no's off of self-satisfaction. I want you to say, I'm saying no to self-satisfaction because I've said yes to my Savior and to those who are significant. Think about Esau for a second. Esau is a guy that we find in Scripture. He's a guy that we find, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, it's called the book of Genesis. And Esau had a, had a brother whose name was Jacob. And Jacob and Esau, they were twins. And uh, they always fought with one another. Esau was the oldest. Jacob was the youngest. He came out just a couple minutes later, all right? And there came a point where Esau went out and he was hunting. And when he came home, Jacob had made some soup. And Esau was struggling. He was hungry. And he said, Esau, I'm starving. Give me some of your soup. I'm I'm sorry. I said that wrong. Esau said, Jacob, I'm starving. Give me some of your soup. And Jacob saw the moment and said, man, I can take advantage of this. He goes, all right, I'll I'll sell you some of my soup. No problem. What's it going to cost? And Jacob said, your birthright. And we might not hear birthright and think much, but back then, this is how birthrights worked. If you were the oldest son, you got double the inheritance of everybody else. So, so what it was is Jacob was basically looking at Esau and said, I want your portion of dad's inheritance. And listen to what Esau said. He said, what good is my birthright if I die of starvation? He exaggerated the moment. So he sold his birthright, he took that bowl of soup, he ate of it, and then he immediately despised his birthright. That immediately guilt came in. And I want you to see two things from the story. First is this, is that when we are looking for self-satisfaction, we will almost always exaggerate in the moment. And we'll say, I got to have that job because that job will never come available again. I got to have that thing because it's an, it's an incredible opportunity. I got to purchase this because it's such a good deal. That will exaggerate in the moment to satisfy self. And then when we get it, we feel guilty. Five minutes of pleasure, of lust online, ruins a marriage. 30 minutes of a high ruins your sobriety. Uh, Purchasing uh, that that thing and going in debt ruins some financial freedom. And we do it just to satisfy self in the instant. And it leads to immediate guilt. But we can say no to all that stuff. 
We can say no to that self-satisfaction when we remember, wait, what's my bigger yes? What's my best yes? And my best yes is Jesus. My, my best yes are those who are significant. And if that's the case, I'm going to say no to some stuff that might be good, but it's just not as worth as much. That, that I'm going to say no to some self-satisfaction, and I'm going to say no to sin. I'm going to say no to things. I, I love this last verse I want to share with you. It's from Titus says this, says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That the grace of God is offered to all people. And when we receive salvation, when we say yes to Jesus, it teaches us to say no to sin. It goes on and says, and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That when we say yes to our Savior, when we say yes to those who are significant, then what we're doing is saying no to sin. I, I, I say no to lust because I've said yes to the one I love. I say no to, to lying because I've said yes to the truth. I say no to greed because I've said yes to the one who is generous. I, I say no to addiction because I've said yes to the one who has the power to redeem me and deliver me. I say no to what is wrong because I've said yes to the one who is right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a challenge right now. And I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and stand up with me as we go into this time of response. And, and here's the challenge. Like I said, I'm going to be real practical for the majority of the sermon. And now it's going to get real personal. Have you said yes to the Savior? You might have been trying a bunch of things and you might have said yes to a bunch of things. And maybe you've even said yes to some things that are good. But if you really want the best yes, today, right now, say yes to the Savior. And if you've never said that, then you can do it in your seat and you can just say yes to Jesus. But what I said earlier still holds true. It's not just a simple raise your hand. It's not just a simple, okay, yes, Jesus, you're, I'm in. No, it's a surrender to being set apart and being sent. And then say yes to those who are most significant in your life. And build your life on Christ and say yes to these because that will make a difference in those you love. So we're going to go into this time of response. And if you need to pray with somebody at a connect corner, if you need to take communion, if you need to take a step of baptism, I want you to do it. I want you to sing along with Will as he's singing. And I want you to make a commitment. I'm building my life on Christ. That I'm saying yes. 
because that helps me to say no to a thousand other things. Let's worship and let's say yes to Jesus right now. You were